Welcome to Hymology on the Gospel Radio Network, a program sponsored by the Mars Hill Church of Christ, located at 1135 Rucker Road, Christiana, Tennessee, 37037. You may contact us by phone at 615-203-3637. If you would like more information about our congregation or this program, you may visit our website at www.marshillcoc.org. We invite you to join us every Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. right here on TGRN.org. And now, here is your host, Brother Kyle Webb. Welcome to Hymology. I'm glad that you are listening. Over the last few weeks, we have focused our attention primarily on songs written in the 17, 1800s range, some of the older hymns that we are familiar with, and many of those do have some of the greatest stories that go along with their writings. But today I wanted us to focus on a song that is of a more gospel nature. It involves the four-part harmonies that we are familiar with in our worship services today, uh, more so than, than others. And this song is of a more contemporary nature and that it was written more recently. The song that we are looking at today is titled, His Grace Reaches Me, written by Whitey Gleason. And as we begin, as we always do with our hymn history, we find that the words and the music were both written by Whitey Gleason. Jewel Monroe nicknamed Whitey Gleason, was born in Kingman, Kansas, May 18, 1932, and he died in Anna, Texas, June 30th of 2007. He was born to parents Clifford Cornelius and Alta June Gleason, and he had three siblings, brothers Clifford Carroll Gleason and Warren Preston Gleason, and a sister, Doris Irene Gleason Herkham. He became an evangelist and served in that role for several years. However, he is better known for his ties to Southern gospel music. Whitey Gleason formed his own quartet based in Bethany, Oklahoma, the Jubilee Quartet. He also owned the Gleason Music Company, also based in Bethany. He later sang with the Gospel Heirs and the Sooner State Quartet, and he also served as pianist for the Blackwood Brothers Quartet for several years. Gleason's most popular songs include Walk, Talk, and Sing, He's My Dearest Friend, At the Altar, Nobody, and His grace reaches me. As I came across that list of songs, I recognized one title in particular, At the Altar. For a very long time, those of you that know me, um, I've always been an Oak Ridge Boys fan. And so even going back to the the quartets of the 50s and the 60s, and so I was familiar with that title, from some of their music, and they did indeed record that song. 
And as I dug a little deeper, uh, I found on YouTube a recording of the Jubilee Quartet. And there was an album that included the songs At the Altar and He's My Dearest Friend. So if you really want to go into uh, a little more research and, and a little extra credit, if you will, uh, you can look up the Jubilee Quartet at the altar, and you should find that album. Uh, it's a, a good listen. But also, in reference to Gleason, as an educator, he is known for songs that he composed in an effort to help students in subjects such as math, language, and geography. So it is interesting to note that Gleason was familiar with the different ways that that music can be used to others' benefit, and he utilized those in different ways. His accomplishments include membership in the Gospel Music Hall of Fame, mostly for his time with the Blackwood Brothers, and he also received the Living Legend Award from the Grand Old Gospel Reunion. The song, His Grace Reaches Me, was first published by the Stamps Quartet Music Company, Incorporated, in the Glad News Songbook, published in 1964. So we can trace its roots at least back to 1964, and just a little bit uh, further back than that probably is when it was originally written. Gleason passed away from this life in 2007, following a three-year battle with lymphoma. Being that this song is more of a, a, of a contemporary nature, I uh, didn't have a whole lot of information that I could go by. I did find one article that was written about it in hymnstudiesblog.wordpress.com, of course titled, His Grace Reaches Me. So if you'd like to look that up as well. But as we look at this song, as we look at its meaning, because that is what we are doing in regard to hymnology, we want to have a deeper understanding of the meaning of the words that have been written and how they apply to us and to Christianity. So as we look at the lyrics of this song, we begin with stanza one, deeper than the ocean and wider than than the sea is the grace of the Savior for sinners like me sent from the Father and it thrills my soul just to feel and to know that his blood makes me whole the love of God for us the love that provides us with his grace is unfathomable. It is hard for us to understand. If you've ever been to the beach, as I have, I've seen uh, the ocean. You can look across from one side to the other and you see nothing but water, depending on where you stand. Uh, there's no way that we could really understand how deep uh, an ocean is, so to speak. And in that regard, we are using those words, uh, that kind of thought, to represent the love and the grace of God. Deeper than the ocean, wider than the sea. 
It is almost beyond our comprehension. John 3 and verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. What love! What love that allowed his son to come to earth, to be born in a stable, to suffer pain, sorrow, and humiliation, and eventually to die on a cross for the sins of the world. How can we begin to understand such love as the love of God? Justice for my sin is that I should die. That's what I deserve. However, God's mercy allows me to live. God's grace promises salvation and a reward in heaven more than what I deserve. Oh, what love and oh, what grace is supplied through Jesus Christ. He is sent from the Father, and it thrills my soul just to feel and to know that His blood makes me whole. Jesus' blood truly cleanses us from our sins. Old Testament law required the blood of innocent animals to atone for the people's sins, though they could never fully do so. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. You see, these sacrifices were made looking forward to a greater sacrifice that would be made in the future, at least from that standpoint. Such sin requires a much greater sacrifice than these animal sacrifices. Romans chapter 3, verses 24 through 26. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 14, In him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times 
he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Verse 13, In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. We truly have redemption, forgiveness of our sins, through Christ's blood that was shed on the cross for our sins. According to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us, in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed, purposed in himself. God purposes, he gives us a promise of something much greater than anything that we could imagine in this life. We have an inheritance that is awaiting us if we are faithful unto him. But all of this comes through the sacrifice of the Son for us. The sacrifice of His own life even, so that we might live. And we come to stanza two of this song, Higher Than the Mountains and Brighter Than the Sun. Again, uh, giving reference to these thoughts that, that are unfathomable to us, the things that we have a hard time imagining. It was offered at Calvary for everyone. Greatest of treasures, and it's mine today. Though my sins were as scarlet, he has washed them away. It was offered at Calvary for everyone? Is that really true? Aren't we told in Scripture that there are going to be many who are not saved? As we look at judgment, certainly it is true that there are many who will not see this heaven that is promised to God's faithful and own. But it doesn't mean that this sacrifice was not made for everyone, it certainly was. Though not all will receive him, the offer of forgiveness is made to them, to everyone. Whether they accept him or whether they do not, for those who believe and obey, for those who do not, the sacrifice has been made for all. Going back to Romans 3 that we looked at a moment ago, Verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, 
crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. On the cross, in Luke 23 and verse 34, Jesus' words are recorded, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. The criminals that were crucified with Jesus, those who put him on the cross, the soldiers that mocked and ridiculed him, the leaders that made the decision that he should die. For those like myself, who try to be more like Jesus each and every day, and even for those who completely refuse him, the offer of forgiveness is made to all. However, all are also subject to Jesus' terms and conditions, if you will, delivered through the teachings of his apostles following his crucifixion and subsequent resurrection. These terms and conditions were first delivered on the day of Pentecost, recorded in Acts chapter 2, that through faith and the confession of said faith, repentance baptism, and continued faithfulness that we can be saved. Through our obedience, these acts of obedience, they lead to our salvation. What, what shall we do? What must we do? Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. This is required of everyone desiring God's forgiveness. We also see prophecy fulfilled. In Isaiah chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, the promise of Jesus' coming is referenced here. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. It is our choice if we want to receive this forgiveness or not. If we want to refuse and reject Jesus, that is our choice to make, is it not? However, should we decide that we want to accept that forgiveness, it is certainly important and necessary that we be obedient to the gospel plan of salvation. Repentance, confession of faith, baptism for the remission of our sins, and continuing to live in faithfulness to God. That is what He desires of us. In my studying for this lesson, I found a third stanza that we do not have in our songbooks. I 
have never seen this before. I do not know that Gleason is the one that that wrote this stanza or if it was written by someone else entirely. But stanza three reads as follows. Grander than the heavens and greater than the earth is God's grace for the sinner to give us new birth. And when this life ends, we shall rise above there to sit at his throne and to bask in his love. Through Christ's death, we are offered new birth. As Jesus explained to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him in verse 4, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. It is promised that at the end of this life, we will rise above. Everything that stood against us or as a hindrance to us, we shall overcome. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 21. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 16 and 17, Paul writes to the Thessalonians in this letter, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. We come to the chorus of this song. His grace reaches me. Yes, His grace reaches me and twill last through eternity. Now I'm under his control, and I'm happy in my soul just to know that his grace reaches me. In this article that I I used for, for my material on this song, the writer of this article, I do not know the name of the writer, says this, 
I have sinned. My sin has separated me from God and would condemn me to eternal punishment. But God does not want me to perish. So by His grace, He sent His Son to die for my sins. Thus, it is a source of great joy to know that His grace reaches me. And I think that's a a very good explanation, a very good summation of the thoughts of this song. In Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 8, But when the kindness of the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Further referencing works, not works of righteousness. It is not of works of righteousness, works of merit, that we are saved. However, required of us as Christians, our works of obedience in order to enter into this kingdom, to come in contact with the blood of Christ, works of obedience. Verse 8, this is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. It is the way that we enter into Christianity is through these works of obedience, repentance, confession of faith, baptism for the remission of sins, but we are also expected to continue in those good works. And so we see that salvation is predicated on us obeying God's will. That having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. It is hard for us to understand this great grace that is bestowed upon us, that we should be sons of God. However, we are. God has promised that we are heirs of this kingdom heirs of a reward that is waiting for us at the end of this life. Eternal life, the greatest of them, eternal life with God and with Christ who gave himself on our behalf. Now I'm under his control. I'm happy in my soul just to know that his grace reaches me. Even when I didn't deserve it, God's grace reaches me. Thank you for being with me today. I look forward to being with you next Tuesday, Lord willing, at 11 a.m. as we study together another hymn. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Until we meet again, may God continue to bless you.